Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. talk to you into our series, Sermon on the Mount. And we are in this series. Last week, Michael did a great job, our executive director here, starting off this series. Um, If you missed it, you need to make sure that you come back, go back and listen to it. And, And man, he did a phenomenal, phenomenal job on that. But as I kick off today, I want to start out of the message translation, the very first two verses out of Matthew chapter five. And as we get ready to do this, we've given you homework for this series. Homework is this, to read the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew five through seven, and to read it every week, a couple times a week. In fact, I would suggest you do this, that you read a different translation every week, right? So maybe this week read New Living Translation. Maybe next week read the NIV. Maybe next week read the KJV, the King James Version. And some of you are like, thank God, he finally said King James Version. Um, Relax, Um, maybe read the message. What? You were doing so good, right? Um, But um, just read a different translation because let's be students of the word, right? There's no way we're gonna be able to get through all the Sermon on the Mount and the things that Jesus said in four to five weeks. But today, as we get in there, we're gonna start out in the message, right? All right, Um, verses one through two, and it says this. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. And those who, who were apprenticed to him, the committed Climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions, and then he gave the Sermon on the Mount. And I love this, this, this version. I love this verse because it says, those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him, and he taught his climbing companions. And here's my hope today, is that I've got a room full of climbing companions, people that are committed to Jesus, not that you just like Jesus, because everybody likes Jesus, right, but you're willing to follow Jesus. Because what I've noticed is everybody loves Jesus and likes Jesus, but a lot of us, we're not really good at following Jesus. And today's message, that it would push you, that it would encourage you, that it would challenge you, that it makes some of you mad, right? I'm pretty good at that. Um, but some of you, you'd be like, yeah, it's time for me to get on it. So here's what, I'm gonna need your help at the end of this. Everybody get your cell phone out. Everybody get your cell phone out. Make sure it's silenced. Silenced. But I'm gonna need your help in a little bit later, later on in the service. This is a little interactive message today. Today I wanna talk to you about sardines and bland tacos. Sardines and bland tacos. How many of you have played the game sardines? Some of you in here, anybody's played the game of sardines, right? So if you ever see me and my family at Bass Pro Shop, it's not because we're, we're shopping, we're playing sardines at Bass Pro Shop. Um, this is true. Uh, it's the best place, don't go steal my spot. Um, it is the best place to play sardines in. Sardines is this, instead of everybody playing hide and seek, everybody hides and one person seeks, it's the opposite. One person hides, and everybody's trying to find the one person that's hidden. And our family makes it really hard to find a Bass Pro Shop. The problem is the best time to go is during Christmas time when it's really crowded, and we will hide inside the clothes, like inside the waiters, and people have, this has literally happened, they have opened the waiters, and there we are standing, like two, two of us are just me, and I'm like, 
like, like staring right back at him. And they're like, okay, you know, this got a little awkward here. I'm like, leave now and never come back, right? Life sound like the Hobbit. Um, anyways, so, and the harder you hide, the better you are at it. And when somebody finds you, they hide until everybody has found the person. So that's kind of Sardine's blast to play. Really fun. And the reason I'm telling you this is because the better you are at hiding it or hiding yourself, the better you are at sardines, and that's the name of the game. And many of us, this is what we're doing when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. Where we're hiding, right? Where we're, we're, people don't, people know everything about you except that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Right? People, people know, oh, 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 I had no idea you went to church with that mouth, right? Like I had no, no clue. Wow, really? I had no idea that you were a Jesus follower. And Jesus talks about this right out of the, after the Beatitudes. Jesus talks about this. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16, it's going to be our text today. Here's what he says. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, just like that, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. As we are getting into this message, I'm gonna just tell you this is a message that fires me up every time. And I probably couldn't have picked, it's just awesome the way God times these things, a better message to preach before we start school. A, a better message to preach for our teachers, for our students, and for our parents and our adults in this place. And here's what I want us to understand. First thing out of this passage is this. Your life is meant to stand out and shine out not blend in and hide. As a follower of Christ, you and I, our life is meant to shine out and stand out, not blend in and hide. I was blessed with the greatest grandparents. Um, I had great, amazing grandparents. If you still have grandparents, be thankful, right? Like, enjoy your time with them. Don't be like, they talk about old people things. Um, like, go play canasta with them, right? Just go do what? Go play Rook. Um, some of you are like, Rook, um, Dominoes, like, Triominoes. I don't know, but just go out there and hang with your grandparents because it's awesome. I had the greatest Meemaw in the world um, is my dad's mom, Meemaw Graves. And Meemaw was amazing. And she was just a great person. She was a teacher for Broken Arrow Schools. Um, but she was an incredible cook. My, 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 my Meemaw could cook anything. Like she cooked tuna fish casserole. And I like tuna fish casserole. It's because she put crack cocaine in it. But I still <laughs> like tuna fish casserole, right? Like I was like, okay, I'll take some more. I like, if I come to your house, don't make me tuna fish casserole. I don't like tuna fish casserole because you're not my Meemaw, right? But my Meemaw can make it. And I liked it. But there was one down fall my Meemaw had was her Mexican food. And it really wasn't her fault. It was my Grandpa Graves' fault because my Grandpa Graves didn't like anything spicy. So when my Meemaw would make tacos, she would just put in a little salt and a little bit of pepper. And like you would eat it. And I was like, well, what is this? <laughs> well, it's tacos. No, this is a meat corn sandwich is what this is, right? 
Because I think, I think we can all agree with this. Like, this should be in the Bible. It's not, but it should be. Life's too short for janky, bland tacos. Amen? Amen, right? Like, like we know this. We get this. Everybody's like, let the big dog eat, right? Like, there we go. We're, we're going here. I mean, if, you know this. I know this. My, the Meemaw's tacos were, anytime it was taco night at Meemaw's, I was like, I'm leaving, right? Like, I'm just like, I'm out. Because they were bland. They didn't pop. There was no zest. There was no pizzazz. I mean, I hate Taco Bell. Taco Bell knows even that you should have, like, some spice and some kick to your tacos. Come on. This isn't hard. And here's the truth. Jesus says this. You're called to be salty. Some of you are like, I got that. I am salt. I was salty on my way here. And all the husbands are like, she needs no help, right? He's called us to be the light of the world, to live with some pop, not to be bland, not to live small lives, not to live comfortable lives that just kind of fit in but that there would be something to your life that stands out. There would be something to your life that shines out, that has a little kick to it, that has a little oomph to it, right? Not that it fits in, that it blends in. And here's what has happened for a lot of us is we've become Me Too followers. And what do I mean by that? I mean this, like people don't know that we serve Jesus and so they start talking about Jesus and they're like, oh, you like Jesus too? Me too. Oh, you go to church? What church? Oh, me too. I go to Foundation Church too. Awesome. See my sticker on my car? Oh, yeah, I don't because I have road rage, right? Like, <laughs> guilty. Um, right? And we don't bring Jesus up. We don't talk about church. There's no good deeds pointing to something bigger. We're just living. We're just blending in. And I'm going to stop talking to all the adults and teenagers today. Can I tell you, as you're getting ready to start school, you're not called to blend in. You're, you're, dear God, college students, your life is not supposed to look like everybody else, else's life. Every student, everybody walking that hall, can I tell you, you're called for your life not to just look different, but to actually be different. Right? Because what's the alternative? That you're just like everybody else. And you're not called to look and to be like everybody else. But adults, can I tell you, you're not called to look like the society and the culture you are found yourselves in. We're called to stand out, to shine out, to stand up, to stand out, and to look different because you are different. And Jesus is saying this. Men, a city on a hill that can't be hidden. I'm convinced of this, man. Jesus came, what, he came so that you may have life and have it to the full. Right. So why would we live small, empty lives? Because here's the truth. You get excited about amazing experiences, right? Just went to Costa Rica. You want to talk to me about my vacation? Awesome. I will talk to you all day about my vacation. Right? I, I had an awesome time. Best vacation I've ever taken with my family. Bar none, easy in my opinion, right? Casey has a different opinion about that. But I'm easy, don't listen to her. She's not in here, good. Um, like, you go to a restaurant and it's amazing. You're like, oh, you get on Facebook, you get on Instagram, you take a picture of your feud. Life-changing, right? Like, you've got to try this place. Why? Because we want other people to experience the good that we experienced, Right? It's crazy. I believe this to my core, that Jesus is the answer to the entire world. 
I, I truly believe that. Like, I think there's a lot of things that will do you good and will help you. I think counseling will help you. I think an education will help you. I think the right people in the right circle group of friends will help you. But there's only one thing that can fix you, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? And so here's my thing. If we believe that and we believe Jesus is the answer to the world, why are we more passionate about our vacations and our food than our Savior? How do we get hyped up over this? But nobody even knows we go to church. We're not shining, but we're blending in. So I want to give you a charge today, right? I want to give you a warning of four things that make us not shine like we should. Because here's the warning. Don't let your light be dimmed. Right? Don't, don't let your light be dimmed. Dimmable lights are awesome, like right now. I think we've actually found a level of dimmable lights where when you're walking in from the lobby, you can see to find a seat. Praise God, we're getting there. Only took us four and a half months, right? Dimmable lights are really cool, but that was not even in the ball game or reality in Jesus' time, right? Dimmable, why would you light a candle and then put a basket over it? Like that, that's, that's dumb, Nobody does that. That's unthinkable, right? It's there to produce light for everyone to be able to see where they're going and to be able to look where they, where they are and see who's in the room. Like, you don't put a basket over light. In the same way, don't let your light be dim. Don't put a basket over your life. And there's four things that want to dim our light. The first one is this, is we are quiet when we should speak up. And we have become timid and wimpy instead of bold and courageous, Something happened during COVID. Can we just be honest? It got weird, right? I could see Bernie in Walmart, and we both got our mask on, and at the beginning of COVID, I'd be like, Bernie, stay on your side. Don't talk to me. Just follow your arrows, even though I can't see him with my mask. You follow your arrows, you know? And, and I remember me and Adam Chris, we would work out in my driveway, and we stayed 10 feet apart. That's dumb. Our mask, I can't breathe through this mask, but I'm gonna jog, what, what? What? And we got weird. And here's what happened. We forgot how to interact with one another. We forgot how to smile at strangers. We forgot, here, here it is. We forgot how to be the light of the world. We did. And instead, we became timid. Well, I guess I can't smile. Guess I guess I can't give anybody knuckles. Guess I can't say hi. Guess I can't. And we have gone into this shell where we've become wimpy and passive instead of bold and courageous. And here's what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And can I tell you, it is time for the church to stand up and rise up and stop being quiet and stop being timid and realize, man, we got the answer to every situation, to everybody's problem, to everything that is, people are missing. We got the answer named Jesus Christ. Let's stop being louder about our politics and our Savior, and let's start standing up for who Jesus Christ is and what he has done in our life, we've gotten passive and quiet and wimpy instead of being bold and courageous and having a spirit of love and power and of a sound mind. And can I tell you, students, you're gonna walk onto a campus this week and man, it's gonna be hard to stand up and stand out. Stand up and stand out. 
and be different. The second thing that tries to dim our lights is we act like everyone else and as a result, go with the flow. Stop acting like everybody else and live like nobody else. Romans chapter 12, verse two says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Here's why this is so important. If we don't change the way we think, we won't change the way we act. Right? There's some of us, we gotta change the way we are thinking about ourselves and what our mandate is and what God has charged us with. And if we will change the way we think, all of a sudden there will be a change in our actions. Because some of you think without acting, but most of us don't now. Most of us were very well thought out before we ever act. And he's saying this, let him transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I could preach this point all day. Here, here's what I'm going to tell you. This is, this is like, my, like my life sermon right here. God has not called you to live a small life. Man, God has called you to live a big, abundant, full life. Here's the big myth that most Christians fall into, that Christianity is all about avoiding sin. No, God said this, just like a city on, let your good deeds shine out. Engage in the good things, in the big, go live a big life that points to a bigger savior. Don't live it, unapo- live it unapologetically. I believe this to my core. Man, that you don't have to have all the sin and all the partying and all the alcohol and all the sleeping around to have the greatest life there is. The greatest life there is is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ that is sold out and I don't have to live with regret, but instead I'm living with purpose. And some of you that are 30 and 20 and still single, you need to know that today. It, man, go live this big life. It's not something that pastors or certain church people are supposed to do. We're supposed to live this big God-given life. Why do I do all the crazy things that I do? Because I only got one life. And if it's dying when I'm climbing a mountain, then it's dying when I climb a mountain. I'm not going to live a small life doing small things, to blend in, because I'm called to do big things with my life because I serve an even bigger Savior. The third thing is this. We don't want to offend others or make things weird. Get great at being awkward. I didn't say get great at being weird. If you're weird, be quiet. There's a difference. Can I tell you the Bible offends people all the time? The gospel is offensive. When's the last time you brought up Jesus to your non-church friends? It gets weird. It's like, hey man, let me tell you what Jesus did in my life. It's like everything goes really quiet. It's like, somebody like say Jesus without using his name in vain? What, like what? Oh, you're actually talking about him. Okay, sure, sure. And what happens? It gets weird and awkward for a moment, but then it gets really powerful. Right? And some of us, we don't want it to be awkward, so we say nothing. I tell you, some great things come out of awkward moments if you're willing to be awkward. First time I met my wife, her first day at Bible college. Went to a small Bible college. I've told this story before, but um, it was my junior year, her first year. And went to a small Bible college, and this is the truth. If this makes you mad, that's fine, but it's true. Um, there were not very many attractive girls that went to our school. There weren't very many attractive guys that went to our school, Exhibit A, right? 
And so if a fine woman came onto the campus, you knew about it. You're like, fine woman in room 108, right? You're like, I'm going to room 108. And so very strict Bible college. We only got to be in the girls' rooms two days at the beginning of the year um, to help them move in. So I was helping a lot of people move in those first two days of Bible college. Casey goes to Bible college, knows nobody. I know so many people. Like, yes, I, yes, I know too many people. And so... As I'm walking the halls, I walk by Casey's room, and Casey's on the bed talking on the phone, and I'm like, wait, just a moment. I spy with my eye, right? Someone fine. And so I go in, she sit on her bed, and I sit on her bed. She doesn't know me. She looks at me and is on the phone like, don't hang up. <laughs> Got her little swatch phone. How many of you guys remember the swatch phones? Yeah. And I'm like, hey, I'm Justin. And she's like, I'm, I'm, I'm Casey. I'm like, we're going to be really good friends. You just wait and see. <laughs> we're really good friends. Like, you just wait and see. Like, good things come from being awkward. Like, life-giving things come from being awkward. And what I will tell you, there's some doors that God wants to open if you'll just be willing to get a little awkward. Right? To shine. To be the light instead of blending in. And the last thing is this, is we get so busy doing that we forget to be busy being. Why aren't we shining like we're supposed to? Because we're busy doing. And some of the stuff you're doing, it's great things. I'm convinced of this. Satan's not going to destroy most of you, but he's going to distract most of all of us. And if he can't destroy us, he'll distract us. Because if he can distract you, he still keeps you from being ineffective like God wants you to be in the first place. Some of us, we're doing great things, but we're not doing the thing. We're not out shining. We're not, when's the last time you invited somebody to church? When's the last time you talked about Jesus? When's the last, and I'm not talking about to your mama. When's the last time? And, and this is right, this is his first sermon to give. This is the second point out of the Beatitudes. You know what your job is to do? Is to shine. To be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And so here's what we have to do. We have to go back and we got to remember and reflect on all that Jesus Christ has done in our life. Because here's what I will tell you. When you realize and remember what all Jesus brought you out of, you can't help but stand out and speak out about him. Right? Like, come on. When you realize and remember what you were before Jesus came into the equation, how lost you were, how hurt you were, how broken you were, man, you can't help but stand out and speak out about him. Our text right now, John chapter 4, is about the, the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, right? Most of us remember this lady, and we're going to jump around this text, but it's John chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus is hanging out with this woman. It's him. The disciples went to go get food, and he says this to this woman. He says, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. She's like a bunch of kids. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right. She was just telling part of the story, right? Not the whole story. Come on, parents. You know what I'm talking about right now. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. See, some of you are doing okay. You're on husband four. You're okay, right? Come on. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. Like you got a boo thing on the side, right? She's shacking up. You certainly spoke the truth. And she's like, how do you know this? And the story goes, you know, then Jesus told her, I'm the Messiah. 
And just then, his disciples came back, and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask. I love that. Like, what's he doing over there? Like, are they, like, getting each other's profiles? Are they, like, tender in this? What's, what's happening, right? Like, none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or, why are you talking to her? Why? Because they knew the reputation she had. It says this, the woman left her jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because a woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Here's what I want us to understand. I love this passage of scripture, I love it. Here's what I want us to understand. This woman, Jews didn't like Samaritans, but especially Samaritan women. Here's the problem with this. This woman, Samaritans didn't even like this Samaritan woman. Right, She's coming to draw water out of the well in the middle of the day because no other women were there. I want us to think, most of the time we think these flowery pictures. For all of you Yellowstone lovers, let me make this very accurate for you. Think of Beth Dutton. That's who we're dealing with right now. This, this is Beth Dutton. Some of you are like, what? This, this is her. This is it. And here's Beth. And here's Jesus. And it's not that she had a bad reputation. She has a bad reputation. It's not that she was in, she had a bad past. She had a dysfunctional, bad present. And yet God does such, he is so good at using imperfect people to spread a message about a perfect Savior. Man, he is so good about using what people's bad mistakes and imperfections are to just advance the cause of a perfect Savior. And so many times I hear people say, well, I, I can't shine. I can't stand out. I can't talk about Jesus because of my past. Or maybe it's because of your present. Let me, let me illustrate this a little bit longer. Um, we went to Costa Rica one of my favorite things that we did was we went whitewater rafting. Second time we went whitewater rafting. Um, and we've been at Yellowstone before, but this is another level. At one point, one of the last rapids was 12 feet, a 12-foot drop. Awesome. Like Casey doesn't think so. So great. Um, one of the first rapids we did kind of looks like this. We've got some pictures that we'll show you, and I'll kind of walk us through this a little bit. So... Right, all everybody's having fun. It's great. We'll keep going. We, we, we're going here. Yeah. See my right hand. Hang loose. Come on, Pure Vita. Going for it. Next picture. Keep it up. Come on. This is how we're gonna praise the Lord this week. I'm gonna start praising the Lord like that. I may be under the rapids, but God's still moving. Right. Here's what happened next. Having a great time. I mean, it looks like a giraffe's falling out of that raft. I was having a blast. I mean, I somersault out of this thing. You, Charlie and Chloe are laughing their butts off at me. People that are supposed to be helping me back in the boat are going, ah. 
Trained them right, right? They're just like their daddy. So much fun. Can I tell you what didn't happen? When I got flipped, I, mean, I did. I mean, there was no skillful. I was like, whoop. And I didn't, I didn't even know. I didn't, like, I was like, what am I doing in the river? Like, how? This is what acid must feel like, right? Like, I, I don't remember a thing. I'm in the river, and they're still taking pictures. A photographer, like, we have so many more pictures for you. Um, but you know what I didn't do? I didn't look at my family and go, stop laughing. Stop it. Ah, right? I didn't start screaming at them. I didn't pout. I'm just going to float here. You know, like people that are supposed to help me back in the boat are pointing and laughing. This isn't nice. This isn't fun. Got wet. Scary. No, you know what my reaction was? I got my butt back in that boat and started paddling. Right? And, and here's the reality. Some of you, you got knocked out of a raft. Everything was going great. <laughs> Everything was going fine. And all of a sudden, boom, something hit. And, and it made you end up someplace you had no idea. And some of you, you've been pouting. Some of you, it's because other people have laughed. Other people pointed. Nobody helped you back in the boat. But can I tell you, God's still got a purpose for you. If you'll get back in and start paddling and make the name of Jesus famous and shine and use it for part of your story, He's great at using imperfect people to spread a message about a perfect Savior. If you will just, it doesn't mean you have to be perfect, man. You may be in the midst of your imperfection right now. Oh, but Justin, the church is pointed and the church talked about it. Hey, guys, let's stop talking about people and help people get in the raft and get moving on with their, their purpose and their part of their life and journey. But God uses imperfect people to spread a message about a perfect Savior. Your job and my job is to shine. It's to shine. That's what it is. I'm gonna ask Seth if you'll turn the lights off for just a second. Here's the deal. You and I are called to shine. I'm gonna ask Chelsea, will you help me? Will you turn your flashlight on? Just Chelsea. Oh, just, oh, oh I got Chelsea over here too. Okay, great, both of you keep one on. Ginger, will you turn your flashlight on for me? We got one in each section. Here, here's what's happening. This is very much what the church looks like right now. There's a few of us shining. Right? There's a few of us standing out. But Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. To all those that are climbing, we, the church, are the light of the world. Now, if everybody will turn your flashlight on. Hold it up. Yeah. Look at this. Come on. You, you are the light of the world. Man, we, somebody's phone's getting ready to blow. Um, we, <laughs> heard that thing triggering. I was like, down, everybody take cover. <laughs> Good to tell you, we're the light of the world. This is it. We're called to shine, and when we can shine, everybody can see that there's hope for their situation. There's hope for their circumstance. There's hope God can still use me if he can use you. If he can use you, if you can shine, and you can shine, I can do my part, and here's the deal. If we will shine, we won't be able to build parking lots fast enough, buildings fast enough, because famous, I mean, 
found people, find people, and our job is to make Jesus famous in everything that we are doing. So shine out, Foundation Church. Keep letting your light shine, and it takes all of us because when we all do it, it's powerful like this. Can we give God a hand clap of praise in this place? Yeah. Some of you are trying to figure out how to turn your flashlight off right now, right? You're that guy that's like, I didn't know I had a flashlight, right? Here's what I want you to know. This command that he gives us, it's not optional, right? It's a big deal to Jesus. It's one of the first things he preaches. So, Foundation Church, Shine, stand out, be the light of the world. And don't just avoid bad things. Engage in the good. Know what God's will is for you. Engage in that so that it points people to a Savior that's way bigger than you. Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you today. God, just as this illustration, Lord, there's power. There's power when we shine. There's power when we stand out. There's power when the church, not just some of the church, not just part of the church, but man, When the church stands up, when we start reflecting the glory of God, when our life doesn't blend into culture, but we're transformed through the renewing of our mind and we start changing the way that we think about what this life is really all about. Lord, what's my purpose going to school? What's my purpose being at college? What's my purpose being in my workplace? What's my purpose being a mom and dad? What's my job being a stay-at-home mom? Lord, what's my purpose in being retired? It's not to blend in. It's not to fade away, but it is to shine for the presence of God. It's to point people to you. That is our job. That is our role. So, Lord, I pray today that we come out of hiding, that we'd stop playing sardines, we'd stop living this bland life because, Lord, there's nothing powerful in that. Lord, it's exhausting trying to be like everybody else, but when we decide to be like nobody else, it becomes powerful, meaningful, man, and full of purpose. So, Lord, today I pray that there would be a church right here at 71st and 129th. That not just part of us, but all of us decide to shine. To be that city on a hill that can't be hid. It's in Jesus' name I pray. (coughs) With heads bowed and eyes closed today, if you're here, (coughs) you say, Justin, I'm here Man, I don't, I, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. We want to give you a chance to change that. T- today, maybe, maybe you're here. And, and just like me in that raft, man, you, you're going along and you don't even know how you got there. You don't know how you got to where you are right now. 
But nonetheless, you know where you are. And you know where you are isn't where you're supposed to be. I just got to tell you, nothing gets better by you and I pretending that it's better than what it is. Things only get better when we get real about where we are and what we need. And some of you today, it's about coming home. It's about recommitting your life to Jesus because where you are isn't where you should be. So no matter where you are, if that's you, I'm gonna count to three and all I'm gonna ask you to do is to raise your hand. And we're gonna lead you in a prayer that'll change your life. That's it. Don't miss this moment. One, two, three. Is there someone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is there anyone else? You join these five hands that are lifted before we go any further in service today. You say, Justin, yeah, I got you. Is there anyone else? You join these six hands that are lifted. Before we go any further in service, you say, man, I don't even remember getting here, but this is where I'm at. And you join these six hands that are lifted before we go any further in service. If you're watching at home online, man, I just encourage you, if that's you, raise your hand right where you're at. Is there anyone else before we go any further? You just say, Justin, that's me. And there's a change. There's a change that needs to happen because where I'm at isn't where I should be. Is there anyone else? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned and that I've messed up. But I ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, I turn away from the life that I was living. I repent of it and I turn to you. And I grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm gonna live for you the rest of my days. It is in Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Can we give these six individuals a raise their hand? Come on, FC, that's awesome, yeah, what an awesome moment. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.